this is Vocations on Radio Maria England. The vocation of marriage. It's We've been talking on this show about vocations of all sorts, vocations in general, vocations for men, vocations for the laity, how vocations is helping with our environment and taking part in COP26 coming up. But today we're going to focus on marriage. With me today, I have got one, two, three, four, five amazing, wonderful, holy people sharing their views on what vocations are and the vocation of marriage. Now, please do understand there is a vocation of marriage. And even after the marriage ends, perhaps uh, through death, through separation, uh, your vocation continues on. So we'll talk and we'll touch on to that a bit later. But to begin with, Father Pio, could you please start off our show with a prayer? Thank you. Um, in this moment of prayer, I would like to read from the book of the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, chapter, six, chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, and having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his wife and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Heavenly Father, as we reflect today, on this great mystery of marriage, which symbolizes the love of Christ for the church. Help us to fully appreciate this great treasure in which husband and wife give themselves lovingly to each one, to each other, and unite themselves more fully in a perfect collaboration in your plan for the salvation of souls. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father Pio. Father Pio, let's start the show with you. You come from the Diocese of Portsmouth. Portsmouth, um, and you are the priest at Gosport St. Mary's. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, so 
I am the parish priest of St. Mary's Gospel, and I am a Franciscan friar. Yes, so we have a small community of friars here in Gosport, and we serve in the parish here in St. Mary's. And then we've also got on the show today, we have Deacon Andrew and his wife, Nicola. Hello, where are you guys from? Hello, we are from Lepoque in Portsmouth. Um, I've been the deacon here for 18 years, and we've been married for 33 years. 34 years. years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that happened. I kept thinking it's that, well, that little thing hasn't happened yet on the show, so there we go. You've fulfilled my... <laughs> I was just testing her. Of course, of course, of course, of course. And then, so you've been a deacon for 18 years, was that right? Correct. But you've been married for 34 years. Yes. Oh, we will get back to that kind of discussion later. Oh, my goodness. Um, and then we also have back on the show, Abba. Hello, Abba. Hello, Helena. And then, Abba, you're part of, there's an organization, remind me of the name, Life Forever? What was that? No, it's called Loving for Life. That's it. Loving for Life. And what does Loving for Life do? Well, Loving for Life is a ministry for married couples. It's an apostolate that helps to strengthen married couples on their journey, which is a call to holiness, a call to sanctity. And so we organize either a one-day retreat or usually a weekend retreat with a priest or a couple of priests. And we hear from other married couples. Deacon Andrew and Nicola are also presented. And we have other married couples who also present material from scripture, uh, so sacred scripture using uh, the catechesis of the church and the story of the saints and all the beautiful uh, sacraments and beauty of our Catholic church to strengthen our marriages. I love it, I love it, I love it. And then we also have, uh, last but not least, we've got Roseanne. Uh, Roseanne, where are you coming from? Hi, so yeah, I'm from the parish of St. Joseph's in Basingstoke, which is also in the Diocese of Portsmouth. Um, I, I've been married for 28 years to my husband, Tim, and we have six children, four, um, four grown-up children, two foster children. Uh -huh. uh, um, like, like Abba, um, I was fortunate to do the um, uh, Masters in um, Theology focusing on marriage and family so um so it's very close to my heart in in that way i'm particularly interested in, in um young people and their understanding of marriage and family and just fostering that understanding um for young people i love that there is a you can get your master's in theology of marriage, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I, I, in order to get through marriage, sometimes you need to have a master's and go back to school and train, train, train. But I'm sure other people will disagree and think, no, Helena, listen, just let God lead the way. And let's talk more about that. So vocations, vocations. What does a vocation mean to you? Let's start with, let's go back the other way. Uh, Roseanne, what is the word vocation? What does that mean to you? Okay, so, um, yeah, I think vocation is a response. Um, so the, the church has taught us that very beautiful teaching that we are all called to, um, to holiness. And um, it's not just 
a response to an individual response to God. Uh, it's much broader. So if we really understand ourselves, our lives, in fact, as gift, um, that we have been freely given this gift of our lives, then our response has to be to um, give ourselves back as gift. So it's much broader than just growing our um, our relationship with God. It always um, has to be uh, in 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 the image of Him in in service to others and in relationship with others. So um, so it's a call and a response. I think vocation. Um, and uh, as such, I think because it's in the image of God, it has to be. It, we can see that it bears fruit and it reaches out and it has branches and it grows. So um, that that's my understanding of vocation. That's a beautiful image as well. It's a call and a response. Roseanne, I'm going to let you know, we've had on this series the Director of Vocations uh, of Scotland, of England, and all these places, and you've said it just as well as they have. So thank you very much, very much. A call to holiness and this inter-discussion, a call and a response. Oh, let's go with with Abba. What do you have any 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 besides? I'm sure you agree, but is there any other ideas for vo- what a vocation is for you? So for me, again, like Rosanne said, it's a call and a response, and it's a unique opportunity to respond to God, who is love, because He's created us in love, and therefore, because we didn't create ourselves, our vocation gives us the opportunity to recognize the love of God in us and also recognize the gifts that we've been given to make that response. And when I think of evocation and I think of a career, for example, I used to be a headhunter in the IT world years ago uh, before I did my master's in Catholic Applied Theology. And with headhunting, I finished my degree. I was trained to become a headhunter. I had a basic salary on target earnings. I even had a wardrobe allowance because you meet so many people, I negotiated for a wardrobe allowance. Oh my goodness, and, brilliant, um, Abba. I want a wardrobe allowance. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not when you work for Portsmouth Dice, if I can tell you. <laughs> the, the, the difference between a career and, and, and a vocation is that in a career is, is more um, money-driven, and I was very driven uh, by money, and I wanted to hit my target, and I always hit my target. Whereas in a vocation, I feel my role as a, as a, as a wife and also even as, as the project coordinator for marriage and family life in Portsmouth Diocese, I feel that's also a vocation. And that is nowhere, I don't earn anywhere as near, nowhere close as what I earned when I was a headhunter years ago. And it's not so much about the money, it's more about the overarching principle here is pleasing God and working with him in his vineyard. So for me, a vocation is recognizing that I am in the vineyard and it's more about how many souls can I hunt for heaven rather than how many uh, guys or women can I headhunt for a job. So a career is more about cash. It's more about how I can grow in my own uh, maybe selfish attitudes, whereas a vocation is more how can I please the Lord? How many souls can I bring to him? through working in marriage and family life. 
I love that, Abba. And for those, you guys can't see her, but don't worry, she looks fabulous. So she, whatever you're doing with your wardrobe budget, you're doing a very good job. I have no budget for postal dance. It's not at all. <laughs> you but you're looking great. You are all looking great. I'm sorry, this is radio, everybody. But if this was video, we have a winning team here. <laughs> Helena, in Portsmouth, we live on grace. <laughs> and you see what grace does. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you, Abba. And let's look at, oh, so we're going to be going to Deacon Andrew and his wife, Nicola. Uh, what is uh, a vocation for you? And do you feel that it might change in a bit or evolve as you go through life? In many ways, yes, because if you think about it, we are all called uh, in terms of having a, a vocation as a result of our baptism. We are all called to know, love and serve God in this life and be happy with him forever in the next. But baptism is the first step on our call um, with to know God. But as we move to a state of maturity in our lives, then God calls us to specific vocations, vocations of maturity, whether that be marriage, priesthood, religious life, but it's all part of our vocation to serve God. Want to add to that? Um, for me, there's a, a wonderful saying from St. John Henry Newman. He said, God intends for us to achieve perfect happiness. He intends for us to be blissfully happy. And in order for that to happen, we've got to know what he wants from our lives. And I think our vocation is discovering how we can go on that journey to achieving that happiness that God desires for us in order that we can serve him and know him and love him better. And that vocation is how we journey towards that happiness that God wants for us. I love that. That's just like what Abba was saying with it's an opportunity. It's not just uh, here's a choice. It's an opportunity to fulfill that love and to give that love. That's beautiful. But did you so with being married for 34 years and then Deacon Andrew becoming a deacon for eight uh, within that time, uh, apparently you there was the opportunity to become a deacon as well. Does that mean the vocation opportunity switches or does it just change? How is it for you guys? It's added to <laughs> when, when you train to become a deacon, you are you're always told the first thing that if you're a married man who's becoming a deacon, you're always told that your first vocation is to your marriage. Amen. Because you make vows before God um, when you get married. And that is, those are the first vows or promises you make in terms of adult vocational life. Um, but then when you take holy orders as well, that becomes an additional vocation that you live out within or on top of your vocation to marriage. And there isn't a vocation called deacon's wife. <laughs> that, that one doesn't exist. There's just wife. <laughs> but, oh we will talk about that more and more because uh, that is a deacon's wife a, a preacher's wife all those and then there's also deacon's children and stuff like that there's those, oh, yes. there's those important roles as well <laughs> and let's go on to father P I, I want to go father Pio father Pio we've got father Pio father Pio 
foot is a vocation for you. What what I know you've got a different vocation than our other uh, guests today. But what what does it mean to you? I think um, it should be difficult to add to what all the others have said because they've said almost everything about vocation. No, I like very much what Nicola said about it being the particular way in which you respond to God's call to holiness. So each of us, we have, um, we are called to a to a specific vocation, and the way we live, the way we respond, you know corresponds uh, corresponds to our vocation so first of all we are all called to holiness to holiness of life to share in god's love not to participate in his divine love and then as time goes on we understand better how god wants us you know to correspond either in the marriage life either in the priesthood either as a religious but not necessarily. You also have single persons who don't go into marriage or who don't go into the priesthood, but want to respond to that call to holiness in their own particular way. You know, so basically, it's that. Um, so vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, to call, and on our part, it's our response to that um, to that uh, call to holiness, you know, which is which is universal for every single human being. So, Father Father Pio, have you ever gotten to preside over a, a wedding? Yes, I did. I think when I was ordained, I think the next Saturday I had to preside over a wedding. Oh, that was wonderful. one of the first things I did. Yeah. Did you know the people? Did you know yeah. the couple? Or, or no, I did not. But the reason why I was the reason why I had to preside was because they were from Nigeria. So I'm from Nigeria. I was ordained in Italy, and then this couple came to Italy for their wedding. They knew the parish priest, and the parish priest was a good friend of mine. So he invited me to to preside over the wedding for them. It was very nice, very good to see a very large um, Nigerian congregation in an Italian oh, church. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So with that, Father Pio, I guess let's start with you. How have you seen, because... I'm, you've presided over weddings. You you probably have had to help. You probably have heard many confessions from married folk. How have you seen through marriage, how have you seen that a call to love? How have you seen that fulfilled through marriage? Yes. So the, the spouses, you know, the husband and the wife in, uh, in marriage, both of them fulfill this um, this call to holiness, but not alone. They do it together. They help each other, you know, become saints. So the husband, if he wants to be a saint, you know, he does that through his wife. The same thing also for the wife. You know, when she leaves out this call to holiness, you know, she becomes a saint through her husband. Both of them live it together. And so there is a lot of emphasis, you know, when I, when I talk to couples, when I help them and give them advice, you know, I help them to understand that they should place a lot of emphasis on the spiritual life being lived together. You know? So they are not on their own. They don't do things on their own, but they should do it together. They become saints together. They don't get to, they don't get to heaven alone, but they have to get there to get, uh, together and uh, with their children. 
So the importance of going to Mass on Sundays together, the importance of saying prayers at home together, the importance of being together, you know, being united in what they say to the children and the kind of teachings they give to the children. You know, it helps a lot to give that good Christian example in the family. Yeah. That's true. And if anyone knows me and my husband, they know my husband will definitely become a saint <laughs> for having to deal and put up with me. <laughs> but so he's on his way to sainthood and I'm, I'm trying to catch up alongside him. Uh, Deacon Andrew and Nicola, how, has, how have you been able to fulfill that call to love through your marriage? <laughs> well, again, Nicola is, <laughs> is going to become a saint by virtue of having to be married to me. You see. <laughs> um, but you know, the the courts of love within marriage, obviously, you have to lay down your lives for one another in, in many ways. Um, you know, as a young man, I'm trying to think back to the days before I was married. My existence was very kind of self-centered and uh, selfish in many ways. And when you become married, suddenly you have to put the interests and the, the good of someone else at the heart of your life and reorient your life to, to accommodate that. And then, of course, that expands and grows when your children come into the world and... Uh, suddenly you see that uh, God calls you into uh, a much less selfish existence in many ways by virtue of being married. I think that, that call to love as well um, is, the, is the stage that goes after that romance bit. <laughs> when you first fall in love and, and your eyes are all shiny and they can do no wrong, it's, it's a couple of years into the marriage when that call to love becomes really vitally important. It's when you recognise that actually you're very different people and uh, in some ways you have different desires, you've got different values you, and you've got to come and bring all of that together in unity for the sake of family and for the sake of each other's holiness and to keep that love really alive. And, and that's, that's when that example of love, through the hard times when there isn't enough money, when somebody in the family is unwell, when um, there, there are other problems with work and, and children and schools and education, if you can stay unified through all of that and be an example of that patient understanding of one another to the world outside, that's when when your vocation to love really bears starts to bear fruit. And you can see it definitely. There's a there's a change in the couple when you go from that romance glowy phase to the to the just the vocation uh, the the true sainthood phase. It's not as nice and glittery, but it's definitely it's definitely uh, more. Ner it's it, if any, uh, how do I say this? You've got that lovely first wedding bit, and the wedding photos are so nice. But then there's just something you ch the the couple changes. They almost look a little bit more alike, but it becomes uh, how do I say it? It's like a nicely weathered. You know, you've got a new tan leather jacket, but then when you get the weathered look. <laughs> anyway, I, I think I'm going downhill with this, so I'm going to move on. I'm gonna move on. Um, Abba, 
Uh, how have you been? So through loving for life, through the the group, the online, the the organization that helps with retreats for marriage couples, you've probably experienced uh, within your own marriage and then loads of other marriages um, that way of how couples fulfill that uh, that call to love. Could you share any of those examples with us? I think um, yeah, sure. Um, I think I like your idea of a. Uh, a weathered leather jacket, I would say a bit like red wine, it tastes yes. better over the years. Because when you have a nice bottle of red wine, it is best. I mean, uh, Nicola has a really nice, is it Passimiento? <laughs> oh, but, <laughs> it's a really nice, it's a better it tastes. And with our, my own marriage, I've been married to David 23 years, uh, thanks be to God, but we've known each other 29. And in our university years, when we first met, we split up three times. Um, before we even got married. And I think when we do Loving for Life and we see couples walking, looking absolutely exhausted and sheathed off with each other, and through prayer, through time alone, away from the children, away from the worries of the world, and giving each other that one-to-one and having an opportunity for the sacrament of confession, over the weekend, it's absolutely amazing to see the couples almost bloom again. They come looking like a sunflower at five o'clock, and by Sunday, they look like a sunflower at nine o'clock in the morning. You see them holding hands because they've had the opportunity to have heart-to-heart discussions. They've had an opportunity to reflect on their own actions. So I think making time for marriage is really important. And as Father Peel said, there is such an important marriage is a spiritual. It's, it's, it's as spiritual as it is probably physical. I think the honeymoon wears out, as as Nicola said, but then what is left? The true agape love, the true self-sacrificial love, takes time. It takes effort. It takes prayer. And when we think that love is a person, the person of Christ, who died for us then we realize that the call to love is actually one that requires a self-giving exercise on a daily basis. And that takes time. That takes practice. So Loving for Life is an excellent opportunity for couples to make time out and focus on each other in the light of God's love for them. Oh, thank you for that, Abba. Yeah, I think also... Like you guys have been saying, that a vocation is an opportunity. It's a call to God and love. And that's something that we need to remember in the, in a marriage, that it's not just the husband and the wife, but there's that third person in, we make our own little trinity, and that's God, that's Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit being a part of that marriage. And when you bring that back into uh, back into the regular day, regular take. Take a weekend to bring that third person back into the marriage that really helps dust off things, helps nourish the ground. It's like putting fertilizer on your tree. Who said the tree thing? Someone, one of you guys said the tree thing. So, oh, we're going we're going to be lots of metaphors today. Lots of metaphors. Rose Ann, now you said that you've got uh, four children of your own and two foster children. Has the call to love in your marriage and vocation, has it has it evolved? Has it changed? Has it grown richer like a good red wine? 
Um, it certainly has. I mean, as we we have all been throwing metaphors around, and and when <laughs> when others were talking, I was kind of thinking of. Um, a marathon. <laughs> we have uh, uh, we live out in the country, and we have a half marathon. It's it's very popular for for running. Um, there's a half marathon that goes past our house, and it's very <laughs> so people get to downhill, but then just as they turn around the corner, there's another uphill <laughs> waiting for them, and they're not even halfway through the course. So marriage can be a bit like that, I think. Um, our, our own, uh, in our own circumstances, my husband actually wasn't um, wasn't Catholic or actually even baptised or religious at all um, when we got married. Married, so um, so you you know you have to you have to manage different expectations and sort of grow and understand each other in that way. I think so. So yeah, there was the, um, he's he's been wonderful. I have to say um, he was always supportive um, of bringing the children up as Catholics. Um, he came to church, um, you know, from the moment we had our first child so that he could support that, which is wonderful, um, and eventually became a Catholic after 23 years or something like that. So, um, yes, so, so so just kind of growing in our understanding of each other and what our, and, um, and our own expectations of marriage were, uh, it has been a journey and um, our, our children, our four children are, are all grown up now. And then to just add to the fun, <laughs> we've, um, we got to a stage in our lives where we were sort of thinking, well, you know, we could, we could be gently going into retirement now or, you know, we could continue to to live out this vocation. So, so that was the crazy plan of inviting two extra children into our home, which is is challenging, but um, but great, you know. And it, I think it's that's been a journey for all of our family because it touches every, you know, it doesn't touch you in isolation. It touches everybody, and um, yeah. So, so I think we have a better understanding of of service um and what that means but i think all of us we need to we need to let everybody we need to let others see you know the kind of warts and all side of marriage that it's not just because you can look in and just think wow what a beautiful family or how lucky are they or how lucky are they to have a happy and successful marriage but you don't see what's kind of going on <laughs> going on what the challenges are for other people it can look really great from the outside but you know everybody has their struggles so so perhaps we need to show that a bit more so that that others can you know understand that they're not alone and and we can and also that gives other, others the opportunity to help us as well in our struggles you're absolutely right it's not until we start sharing it and are honest with others that that can be such a pattern. You can do that through prayer groups, through Bible studies, through your parishes, through speaking um, with a priest through confession. That's where you can share that. And then, aha, maybe you're, who you're speaking to is the just the person that knows or the Holy Spirit comes to that person like, oh, this is what I need to share with you. Ah, I have that similar situation or, oh, this is what's happened with me. And there might not be answers, but when sharing that and, and, and this is who I am. This is what our marriage is. That alone brings a light to it and can 
bring ease, calm, or help you on the road to figuring out some solutions. Or, 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 or who knows where it might lead you. <laughs> who knows where that metaphor is going to go. <laughs> but this is Radio Maria. And this is the vocation series on Radio Maria. We have been sharing different vocation stories here. We started off with just general vocations with the UK's director of vocations, uh, Sister Frances. Oh, no, that wasn't Sister, Sister Elaine. Each week on Radio Maria Live on Tuesdays at 11 a.m., I've got guests that join me that share their different experiences and what their vocations are. Today is our marriage episode, and I have had the privilege so far this morning to speak to Roseanne, who is from St. Joseph's Parish in Basingstoke, is married, has six kids and two foster children. I've also got Abba, who is uh, representing Loving for Life, and she's also from the Portsmouth Diocese and has been helping married couples through retreats and weekend times out. I've also got Deacon Andrew and uh, uh, Deacon's wife, Nicola, from uh, the Immaculate... Uh, ooh, from St. Joseph's Parish in the Diocese of Portsmouth. I believe he's got three different parishes, but we'll get back to we'll get back to that soon. We've also got Father Pio from St. Mary's in Portsmouth, and they've all been sharing what a vocation is, all agreeing that it's a call to holiness, a, an opportunity for God's love. Let's let's get on to the hard questions now. I hope you guys are ready. Let's start with Father Pio. To get ready for this. How do you know? How do you know that marriage is the right vocation? How do you know that marriage is the right vocation? Well, everyone uh, growing up wants to get married. I would say almost everyone, if not everyone. So everyone tends towards marriage. Then at some point, at some point, you begin to have... You begin to have um, a few thoughts. You know, when you come in touch with different realities, you get to know priests. You have priest friends. You get to meet religious. And then, if that is aligned for you, you, know, you would feel attracted towards that way of life. You would know deep within you that God is calling you to a certain way of life, and um, that's where you will go. I mean, I have spoken to many young persons. No, who who began this uh, journey of discernment? No, and a few of them have always said that even though they found the religious life beautiful, they found the, the life of the priest beautiful and everything, yet they always had that inner conviction within them that marriage is for me. They've always had that. So with a vocation, you always know. It doesn't, you don't need um, a special, sometimes you may need a special revelation, yes, but usually you always know that this is for me. This <laughs> is what God is calling me to do. Oh, yeah. Father Pio, my sons have already decided that mar- they're okay. eight and six, and they have decided that marriage is not for them. <laughs> <laughs> like that we are never getting married, but you, okay. you never know. I'll send them your way. <laughs> I've also another thing, Father Peter. I growing up always had this feel of a vocation to be a mother. 
not so much the marriage part or whatever, which is, I, I don't know if that's silly, or but I, I won't judge it. I, that's myself. It's whatever. I wanted to be, um, I knew I wanted to be caring, to take care of people. And I know in a way, vocations such as uh, sisters, brothers, uh, other kind of vocations allow you to have that mothering role without uh, so without having the the spousal connection thing. Do you feel like that sometimes uh, helps with the discernment process? Like if you feel not called to be a father or not called to be a mother, is marriage the right vocation for you then? No, sorry, that was a really so, hard question. I didn't realize that was going to come. He was not prepared for this, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, with regards to understanding, um, helping you to understand your vocation, I will let me say something about myself. Uh, maybe this would help. You know? So growing up, I never, I mean, it wasn't clear. I never had a clear idea that I wanted to become a priest. All I knew was that I wanted to help others. I wanted to put a smile on their faces. You know? I wanted to, what is that, think of a philosophy that would bring happiness to others. I would walk along this, I would walk on the streets and stare into people's faces and ask myself, what are they looking for? What are they chasing? What will make them happy? Know, what would make them happy, and this was what uh, uh, this was what guided me throughout the different stages I passed. You know, when I had to choose, when I was being told to choose a career. So in Nigeria, already from a young age, at the age of 10, 11, your parents already start asking you, "What do you want to do in life? What do you want to do when you grow up?" So you feel that pressure to choose something. I was never able to decide. I never could decide. I said, I'd like to be a scientist because I want to find a cure to AIDS and make people happy. I said, I'd like to be a policeman because I want to fight crime in society and eliminate, um, look, um, what's that, crime, okay? I said, I'd like to be a lawyer and help the poor people who cannot um, have justice for themselves. At one point, I said, I'd like to be a businessman, you know, and build the largest business empire in Africa and feed the poor peoples of Africa. But there was that underlying thing. I wanted to put a smile on people's faces. One day, I mean, just walking by myself, coming back from morning mass, I was able to understand, no, kind of, the Lord helped me to understand that it's the spiritual happiness that's more important, though. Know? than material, physical happiness. That was, I'm not saying um, this is in, in general, but from in my own particular situation, in order to help me understand my vocation, God was asking me that this is where I would be more useful you know, as a priest. You know, it is in the priesthood that I would be able to fulfill that inner desire to bring you know, peace, serenity, and happiness to others you know i won't go into the details of that but that's in general uh yeah no but i see i see that and i i really am connecting with that father pio so i've so a uh, quick story so i was growing up i always wanted to be a mom i don't want to do with anybody else i just, I just want to take care of people and so when i uh was was doing my other career stuff i thought oh i'm not doing anything with kids i need to do something so i started volunteering with this organization that helped uh children with different 
different abilities, different ways. And in uh, tr- and I, I wasn't dating anyone. It was perfect. I had my own life. I could do this. And then I st- uh, was getting trained to lead this uh, big volunteers day for helping kids in schools. And at that training is when I met my dear Robert, who just came through the door. And it was instantly, well, it was love at the first sight, but it was also, it, was, it became working with him because we were both volunteering to help these children then. And we, we, with him, I was able to do even more and even better. And it was, we, we fed off each other so well. And it was just perfect. So that, I guess, in a way, a bit, that was kind of my discernment bit. Uh, yeah. He wasn't Catholic, yes. though. Oh, so he wasn't Catholic at the time. And my my family is super, my, my parents, uh, my mother is super Catholic. And so that was always a bit of a hoo, hoo. Uh, but my mom said, just pray about it. Just pray about it. And it's going to be what it's going to be. And and it, it it all turned out fine. He, he became Catholic later and it was all good. So for you, Roseanne, what what kind of process of discernment did you have? Did that was that a trouble? Uh, did that was like uh, was it a roadblock almost? Uh, your husband's uh, faith. Um, I don't I don't think it was a roadblock, and I, you know I mean I think you kind of go into marriage naively, don't you? Kind of you know you're happy and you're in love and you you think things are going to work out so you you know you are you are led by your heart into marriage because you you want to be with that person forever and then when you're when you're in marriage you kind of <laughs> get a better understanding you know of, of of what it's all about and i think uh, we're we're up against it in society really because it's all about you know how what's going to make me happy uh you know how can i fulfill myself um kind of thing all the time isn't it you know and if it's not working for you then just go and do something else you know um but obviously marriage is not like that but but we're not we're not necessarily taught that or you know we don't understand that you know even if you know that marriage is forever you you kind of don't understand that that element of service to the other person and and sacrificial element of of marriage um so um so it wasn't no it it wasn't a roadblock at all but it's it's just been a kind of period of growth obviously for both of us because my husband's now um now happily catholic and it only took him 23 years yeah, <laughs> so. that's all right that's all right all in our own time all in our own time <laughs> And what was the process of discernment? How did you, uh, it was love, 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 and I wanted to be with him forever. It was, uh, did you pray about it? Because it wasn't. I guess you both couldn't have prayed together about it. But how did? What was that process? No, like? no. But as I say, like he was, he he has been very supportive. So so that's great. You know, I think the main thing for me is that you know, uh, like you, I felt called to motherhood. And it was always very important to me that we would be able to bring the children up as Catholic. So um, I think that he he had, you know, before we entered marriage, that was clear and he was supportive of that. And he also really respected um, the things that I believed in. So I think if, you know, if, if there's that real lack of understanding, then you are going to have difficulties and you need to discern really carefully. Um, but he had a great understanding and a great respect um, for what the Catholic Church stood for, and in particular, um, you know, like pro-life issues. Um, uh, so, 
so that was a good kind of you know we didn't differ fundamentally in that way um you know so so i knew that he was a good man and that he would um he would allow me to to be catholic for our children to to be catholic and he that he would echo the um the foundation that i was we were you know it was important for me to to bring to our children and our family so um so we didn't struggle in that in that way you know when you're kind of at odds with each other about how you should bring the children up i think i think that and um, that's that's very difficult in marriage and you you need to discern that very carefully definitely definitely Abba, you said, I, th- I believe you said that you guys broke up three times before. So what was your discernment process with dear David? I, I think, yeah, David and I split up because actually David and I are black and white. I'm African. David is uh, European. He's half Maltese, he's half Scottish. So our values, we had to find what our common values were. And I think for anybody listening, um, it's important, I think, to, to realise that the overarching uh, point is that marriage is a calling for everyone. And, and I mean that if you look at the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about marriage. God is marriage. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a, a, in a, in a unity which is unending, exclusive, unique, faithful, fruitful. And that is what we are all called to. So although Father Peter is living out his vocation as a celibate priest, he is showing us um, what we call in theology the eschatological point, as in how we will be in the end. In the end, we will be like Father Pio because we will not be married to anybody. And in the scriptures, we realize that when you somebody got married and their husband died, and, and then they said, how, who will she be married to in the end? And Yahweh, Jesus was very clear that there'll be no marriage, there'll be no taking of wives. So what's the whole point of getting married is for us to experience this intimate, passionate, urgent, exclusive, faithful, fruitful love, which is not a feeling, but a decision and an act of the will. So for David and I, it took a lot of time because our our African, David is European, and our, our our views and our perspectives are sometimes very, very different. And I know Nicola and Zeke and Andrew have been privy to some of our little wars. And Nicola said once, you guys are so different. I don't think I've seen any couple as different as you. So we're not just black and white. And in university, we argued a lot. And I remember even in the first years of marriage, when my mom visited or my brother John would visit, he would say, I'm never coming to this house again. You guys argue way too much. (laughs) So for anybody listening, argument is healthy. So if you're not arguing with your boyfriend or your fiancé, you need to see, are we being truthful with each other? Are we being honest? But also personalities. I think David is, he's he's half Mediterranean, so he's quite passionate. I'm African, I'm quite fiery. So you put that mix together, and I would say marriage is a step in faith. You'll never know. You'll never know everything. You'll have to take the step in faith. You'll have to say, uh, do we have common values that are important to us? So for David and us and myself, prayer is, is one of those things. Mass, holy mass is, is another. Um, family, food. We are great foodies. David and I <laughs> love food. <laughs> so, and we don't like exercising, but I like walking. He hates walking. So 
there's going to be a whole mix. And all I'll say is, for anybody discerning marriage, remember, we are all called to be married because the whole, the whole um, desire for marriage is, is written in our very souls and inscribed in each of us. That desire for the other, with a big O, who is God, will start with the desire for the other, the little O, who is David, my spouse. But I would encourage to read the book of Tobit. Oh, for yes. anybody discerning marriage, read the book of Tobit. Learn about how Tobias and Sarah did it. The fact that they even prayed before they made love. For goodness sake, that's a big deal. And you know, and David and I, in our lovemaking, we sometimes make a confession to each other and say, look, I'm sorry I haven't been faithful in this way or the other before we make love. And when we've made love, we say amen because it's a spiritual experience, you know, and take time to pray together. That's important. And take time apart. Don't always be in each other's pockets like you're constantly. No, have time alone. Have time with your friends, with your buddies. Hang out, go clubbing. You know, have time alone and have time with each other. And also look at his family or her family of origin. That is so important. Because when we do marriage preparation or loving for life weekends, it comes up again and again. Family of origin. Where am I coming from? What is the most important thing for me? And then what is the most important thing for my husband, you know, or my fiancé? So look at all of these things. But remember, it's a step in faith. You will not know everything. Marriage is a, is a, is a journey of surprises. <laughs> but what I can say, Helena, is I love my David today after 23 years much more than I did in the first years. Much, much more. I love it. I love it. And you know what, De uh, Abba, if I... If, if I would not want to do a competition between you and David because I feel like the, the fire between the two of you, like you can take on the world together. You might disagree with how to do it, but you're gonna, you can do it. You've got the, the power and the, the energy to do it. <laughs> My spiritual director says, Abba, when I go to him, sometimes for confession or for a task, he says, Abba, this is a call to holiness. It's a path to sainthood. And once he said to me, um, St. Monica's tears, apparently St. Ambrose said to St. Monica, none of your tears will be wasted. None of your tears will be wasted. So have a good spiritual director, have a good um, uh, counselor, somebody you can speak with, and have good friends. And listen to what your friends say. If your friends say, look, your fiancé is a jerk, listen to them. <laughs> and, just, and, and ask yourself, can I live with this? Because... When you get married, it's not going to change. <laughs> Uh, Deacon Andrew and Nicola, I, I, I wish we had, we were running out of time so I can ask you your discernment story. But for those that might be going uh, bereaving their, uh, their spousal death or a separation, uh, how does that, does their vocation live on? Does it change into something else? What And where does the church support people? Uh, that perhaps uh, their marriage is breaking up or has ended because of death? Um, Maybe the hard question, sorry. <laughs> yes, a very easy one to do. <clears throat> well, obviously, when, when somebody marries in a church, uh, it's a sacramental marriage and it's a valid marriage, then no matter what happens in that relationship, whether they 
remain together or unfortunately if they they separate for any reason the the marriage doesn't disappear because say a marriage is constituted by god as we we say in the the wedding rite what god has joined together no man can put asunder and so so even those who are separated from their spouses for for whatever reason as long as that was a valid marriage they are still effectively married. And uh, over the course of my ministry, I've known many people who have been very faithful to their marriage throughout their life unto death, despite the fact that they were abandoned by their spouses many years ago. And sometimes people living in that situation can be some of the greatest witnesses to the strength and the validity and the beauty of Christian marriage because they, they were always faithful to it even though they were let down by their spouses. Uh, death, of course, is a, something that comes to us all in the end and over these last 18 months or so, I think many of us have been living with death around the corner in a much greater way. We've probably had our minds focused on it in many respects. But um, obviously, um, in the Catholic tradition, um, when our spouse passes on, we are free to marry again, if that is what uh, we are called to, if what God calls us to. Did you add anything? <laughs> Oh, is there uh, this anybody chime in? Is there support in the church for those that have are bereaving their spouse? Is there because in a way it's almost as if oh, they're voc- especially if the children are grown up and gone or there was no children. Uh, what 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 is their vocation? How is there support from any parishes or anything like that? Well, we would hope that the parish community would support people in that situation. I mean, obviously, in the early church, there became an office of widow, um, just like there were offices of priests, bishops and deacons. Um, There was an office of widow, um, and widows have always been seen as very much part of the community and offering a vital role. Uh, in the community in terms of their, their prayers. I mean, the church at the end of the day is a big family, isn't it? That The message of scripture from start to end, it begins with the marriage of Adam and Eve. Scripture ends with the wedding supper of the Lamb in the St. John's Apocalypse. And throughout scripture, we see this image of the marriage of God and his people And it's described in those relationship terms because the relationship between the people and God is essentially familial, it's family, it's a a marriage relationship for everybody who's involved in the church. And so those who have lost their their loved ones, as we all will at some point, um, they are just as much part of the church, just as vital, important and not only should they be supported through their grief but also they very often have a lot of wisdom and love to give and great grace to offer to the church thank you thank I you know it, oh, Helena, i know it i know in ghana we have the widow rights and yes there i'm in ghana now and i went to midday mass yesterday and actually witnessed the widow rights so um they call the spouse 
and they pray over her and they prayed over the family at the, the children at, with the wife at the end of the mass but when my own father died i remember my mother had to go through the widowhood rites and in ghana they normally do it during the burial um uh, mass so they call the the spouse and then they ask that in christ because the spouse is now with god the spouse can intercede for the uh, one who is left behind and vice versa so i know in ghana they also do a second collection at the burial mass for the for the spouse who is remaining and their children um, but with regards to separated people i know there is a community called nouvelle alliance communauté in belgium and in france where as the commander said people who have been abandoned by their spouses continue to be faithful to the sacraments and live on their own but they organize retreats and priests give them a lot of support so that exists maybe we can bring that to england at some point amen 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 all right guys we've run out of time thank you so much so so much to all of you for joining us uh, thank you so much father pio deacon andrew nicola abba and roseanne roseanne would you mind uh, finishing us off with prayer for our listeners for those all discerning their vocations and for all of us that are have chosen marriage as a vocation of course in the name of the father son and the holy spirit amen Loving Father, we thank you for the vocation of marriage and the opportunity to live in your image, the image of Father and Son together and to share in your fruits. We ask your blessing on those who are contemplating or preparing for marriage to discern and prepare thoughtfully and prayerfully their vocation. On those living out the vocation, to be giving the strength and grace of the sacrament, to love each other daily and work through the difficult times. For those who are living without their partners, to be given strength and courage to continue, to join their suffering to yours and to experience your mercy and love. Bless the work of all those who assist in the vocation of marriage and we pray that their ministry grows and bears much fruit for the flourishing of family life and for our society. We ask our loving Mother Mary and her most chaste and loving spouse, patron and protector of family, Saint Joseph, to intercede for us as we offer this prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as, As it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, is now, and, and ever shall be, world without, without end. Amen. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much, so much. God bless. God bless. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.